At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Live from a parking garage with a fancy car and a camera sweeping around the car and then somebody trying to get into the car and drive the car really fast. It's Shoe the Dough Sift Pop. What do you think? Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, that's my transporter theme. It was transporter themed <laughs> introduction to our Sift Pop episode today. So we've got Andrew from Flick Freaks back with us today. Andrew? Two weeks in a row, I'm supposed to be doing some right. Ahoy! <laughs> <laughs> we didn't set your microphone levels for that level of excitement, Andrew. So Apologies. Tr- trying to maintain. That's hilarious. Uh, that was just this one time. Ahoy! Ahoy, my friend. Ahoy! Ahoy. So tell me a little bit. You were saying you just had Taco Bell breakfast today? Oh my God, I'm a breakfast defect. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I've, a lot of people have been saying, oh, I'm surprised by how good the Taco Bell breakfast is. And I'm like, but it's Taco Bell. It's just going to run straight through me. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, it was one of the breakfasts I've had in a very long time. Really? So, like, it shouldn't be that good. It's suspiciously good. What did you have? Because I've I, tried everything on the menu, I think. I've had the, I was the uh, bacon breakfast crunch wrap. Okay. It has like a hash brown, some bacon, cheese, egg. All wrapped up in a tortilla, you know, the all main food groups. Yeah. One. <laughs> it's, it's very healthy. Yeah. Very. Uh, that actually was the Taco, Bell, the Taco Bell item on their breakfast menu that I liked the most. Oh, yeah. Was the breakfast crunch wrap. I thought that one worked uh, better, way better than like the waffle tacos and the all the other stuff they were doing there at the beginning. They've kind of changed it up a little bit, I think, but I haven't really been back for breakfast. I just remember when they first launched the breakfast menu that we were working at the radio station at the time. So our studio was inside the radio station. Uh-huh. And we brought in like one of everything that we could think of to get, and we just tried it all. Yeah, and yeah, did, we did like and a little taste test. Yeah, yeah. I remember the crunch wrap was really the only thing I cared for that much. Yeah, and the breakfast wars, man, it's a thing. Like McDonald's is going all day, all day. breakfast in October, mm-hmm. and I think I think everybody's finally waking up to the fact. Excuse the pun. That breakfast uh, is the best oh, food. Oh. <laughs> Do you see what, I he see did what there? you did there? <laughs> it's almost like it was intentional. Um, I I really think people are realizing breakfast is the best food. Like breakfast oh. food is the best food. That's what I want to eat all day long. I have this thing where I don't know. It's actually I don't know if it's a medical condition or not. But I wake up halfway through the night and I'm starving. <laughs> And I always eat like at four in the morning, and, this <laughs> and then morning, go back to bed. And then I go back to bed, <laughs> like I can't go to sleep until I've had something to eat. It probably is like a very serious medical condition. I just haven't looked into. But <laughs> this morning at four o'clock, I had some blueberry ego waffles. Wow, very nice. And then I woke up and had Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I, it goes. I'm not twenty anymore. I can't be doing this. <laughs> it goes for cere- breakfast cereal any time of day. Love breakfast cereal. You know, we have pancakes and eggs for dinner like once every week. Yeah. You know, it's completely acceptable. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I absolutely love it. I think it's, I think it's the way to go. Well, you guys ready to shoe the dough? Ready. Word. All right. So today we're going to talk uh, transporter refueled. 
on the movie front. And uh, then, vroom, vroom. then we've got a little sneak peek. Uh, Fox uh, sent us a pre-release of the Minority Report um, pilot, which doesn't You'll come out. You'll hear for, it here first. It <laughs> doesn't come out for a couple weeks, so we'll, we'd like to tell you our thoughts on that and kind of get you ready for the fall TV season in that way. We might actually, even if we have time, talk a little bit. Uh, about Fear the Walking Dead. I know Danae refuses to watch that show. That is correct. Or anything zombie related. That is also correct. But Andrew, you've seen the first couple episodes. Indeed. And so have I. So maybe we'll chat that a little bit if we have time towards the end, of course, our buried treasure. But we're going to kick it off with Transporter Refueled. So what's your plan? Well, I was going to keep it as a surprise, but seeing as you asked, I've been thinking about buying that. That's a nice fishing boat. For a guy with a worker's pension. Junior, I don't think you have one ounce of wriggle room to moralize to me about how I earn my living. And what do you mean by that? Oh, nothing. I'm sure all your clients are movie stars, captains of industry, dignitaries. Well, I don't ask, they don't tell. I should tell you something. Oh, look, uh, Miss Unknown is calling again. And what would make you think that Unknown is a miss? I'm just guessing. Hello? This is the transporter. <laughs> oh, he got him. He knew. He knew it was a girl on the phone. Is that Ray Stevenson? Uh, the, no. It's not? I, no. Um, the dad character? It's Steven. The... Oh, who is the... Maybe that is Ray Stevenson. Okay. Is that his name? Yeah. It seems like Stevenson. He was the, he was the Punisher in the Punisher film that actually uh, was like the comic books. And he was also in Thor. Uh both Thor films. Hmm. Great actor. Could be. Is it the dad? Ca- yeah, Ray Stevenson. Yeah. Is yeah, Frank Sr. I this know movie. names. <laughs> Ed Screen? Screen? Yes, and that's the is, big news, right? Is the new transporter. Screen, I think, is how you pronounce his last name, because I looked AKA it up on YouTube. Jr. Uh, I think it's interesting, because that's really kind of the thing, is it is no longer Jason Statham in these movies, so can it succeed as a relaunch? As a series, you know, with a new kind of Jason Statham-ish character. But uh, Transporter Refueled kind of brings us back into that world. And Luke Basson is, you know, producing it and uh, co-wrote it. So his, you know, fingerprints are on it, you know, just as they were on the others. It has that kind of very Basson French, you know, action kind of feel uh, to it and that kind of stuff. But let's start with this. And by the way, we should mention Andrew did not get a chance to see the movie. So you're going to be kind of... Don't worry, I can summarize it for you. You're going to be asking questions when they come, you know, when they arise and mm-hmm. kind of inter, uh, interacting that way. But we like to start with liked it, loved it, indifferent, disliked it, or hated it. Danae, where are you? Hated it. Okay. I'm indifferent. Maybe a little bit disliked it, but pretty much indifferent for me. So let's get into the details. Andrew, what do you think? <laughs> I want to know how lucky was I that I missed out on this film. <laughs> I think today's going to say you were super lucky. Well, for those that don't know, this is a driving movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't you kind of go over the plot a little bit? Tell us a little bit of kind of what happened. I'm actually looking at IMDb right now. In the south of France, former special ops mercenary Frank Martin enters into a game of chess with a femme fatale and her three sidekicks who are looking for revenge against sinister Russian kingpin. None of that was made clear in the movie. In fact, I would <laughs> never true. have described it like that, ever. That's such a great point. This is not at all what you're just thrown into. The movie starts off, uh, and you're seeing these uh, this new people roll into town in like a, what would you even call that? I don't know, like a limo SUV? No, I mean like, like the stretch. section of, of this. it's like the streets where there's oh, red brothels, light red light district, yeah. that's what I couldn't yeah. think of. 
and this these new people show up you know they literally walk out and they just you know kill people in a spray of bullets in a spray of bullets they're like we own this and prostitution ring now beautiful women come out with necklaces on that all indicate that they're part of this particular group of people mm-hmm. and that's the start of the movie um and pretty much the rest of it is just trying to figure out how they're trying to bring all of this together with this you know kind of sex trafficking type undertone and how a transporter fits into that and how he gets sucked into their t- their attempt to basically escape this lifestyle. Now, I don't think we're going to have a ton of good things to say about this movie, uh, neither one of us. But l- so let's start there and get that out of the way. Danae, and, did you have anything? Well, honestly, and as always in our Sif Pop episodes, we try our very best not to spoil everything for you. I know I just kind of gave away like the first kind of mm-hmm. part of this movie to kind of set it up. But we will go into more details in the spoiler because if you do want to see it and you don't want to be spoiled we try to honor that but this is a movie and I'm going to get into this a little bit later because it's my main point about this movie but this is a movie that could do with some spoiling like this is a movie you might want to get spoiled on before you go yeah because it plays its cards way too close to the vest it doesn't give you hardly any information as you're watching the movie not only is it confusing and maybe this will kind of play into the things I don't like about the film it, it was it was confusing in that it's just like, I don't even know what's going on. And because I don't care about these characters, I don't care what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also because there's, they're just, they're just talking their script. They're not acting their script. Like they're every, there's this, this movie is just packed. It's a good way to say it with conversation. It's a good way to say it. It It's completely packed. And so every line is, to deliver information that is important to them somehow. Well, it all feels grandiose. And it's all just, I mean, constantly. I'm going to buy this wine. It's this and this and this. <laughs> and then, but there's no room to like act. Right. So this isn't, this isn't like watching people comfortable in an acting role. It's just constant, constant talking. And it's very annoying. <laughs> So let's talk about the good stuff. Danae? Oh, we're already with the bad stuff? No, we're starting with the good stuff. Oh, the, I because there's with the bad stuff. not going to be a lot of it. So let's just right. get through it and then let's rip the movie apart. Oh, but I haven't thought about the good stuff. <laughs> All right. I'll start with some of mine then. Uh, and when I say some, I mean maybe the only uh, good stuff. Man, the French Riviera is beautiful. Like there were some sweeping shots of the French Riviera. And I was like, I want to go there. That's true. Like the coastline and just kind of the way it's densely populated. Where I was the just boat like, was wow. Looked yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Some of the scenery in this is just downright gorgeous. It'd make a good like travel log, you know, like come visit the French Riviera with yachts and fancy cars and gun battles, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so I did enjoy that. Did you think of anything? No. <laughs> Not a thing. Um, what about some of the action? Did any of the action work for you? No. Because that's why a lot of people will go to a movie like this. The worst fight scene I've ever seen in my entire life, but then we're not talking about the good things, are we? <laughs> the one thing I did like about the action, and you're right, it was not well executed, but I liked that they tried to do the Jackie Chan thing where they use their environment. Is it a try and fail is still a try It sure success. is still a try. Because it give them fails. Credit. <laughs> give them credit for the try. I cannot wait to go into the spoilers on that particular scene. I cannot wait. Um, there were several, though. There were several moments when, the you know, this uh, Ed Screen new transporter guy would take a look at what was around him and then try to get creative with how to use it. I think of the scene in, like, the card catalog hallway. You know, or, uh, you know, the scene in the yacht where he's using, you know, parts of the yacht or whatever. 
So I, I was really, you know, I was like, good effort, good effort. But you're basically just trying to shake the camera around enough so that I won't notice that it's not as great as you want it to be. You know what I mean? That's kind of how it felt like at the end. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, I thought Ed, uh, is it screen? Is that right? I thought he was great. I he thought did. I did the, for the what he was. Yeah, I thought for what he was supposed to do, he's a fine replacement for Jason Statham. Jason Statham's not like a superb actor. He's just a great presence, well, and I thought Ed Screen had that presence. So Ed is playing Frank in this movie. Yes, and you know Frank has got this super gruff voice, and he's got like you know messed up teeth and everything. He's not like the most perfect person to watch and look at he has he interesting has, but he has hair he has hair uh-huh he has like a little uh mole on his eyelid wow you know like so sometimes whenever he'd blink it would catch the light differently so there he has some visual quote-unquote you know imperfections maybe because i'm just coming off of a hitman agent 47 where we're seeing like gq guys right. play these roles that's interesting he yeah just, he just seemed like an actual person who could be well except he was chiseled like when he took his shirt off <laughs> which ha- happened I a few times to say he noticed, did look nice i've noticed that danae has a niche for finding anatomical flaws in people like with jeremy renner's funny fingers and <laughs> dude jeremy renner's funny fingers but I, here's the thing i google image search that for like 30 minutes yeah renner fingers is a thing it is um so here's the thing with here's the thing with what Danae does though she doesn't do that to t- to take people apart she does it because she honors those things like I'm glad. she she loves that somebody's teeth are crooked I or, love that yeah it's, it's something that she admires absolutely you thank you for pointing that out I did want to clarify that because uh, yeah there are certainly people in our culture who pick at those things because they don't want them to exist and right. I think you pick at them because you want people to notice I, that I they like do to, exist and I like to highlight them and amplify yeah, them and I'm on board with that I love that mm-hmm. I love seeing the world in that way yeah so I did think I mean. I thought he was okay. I, I don't know that I entirely believed him. And, and I guess in a way he was, oh, you know, I said a- Agent Hitman 47, but I really meant, what was the other one? That was, Mission the, Impossible? No. The other spy Oh, movie. no, no, no. You're thinking of uh, um, the one, yeah, the very stylistic one. Yeah. Um, man, we've seen so anyway, many. There's so many spy movies. But anyhow. Oh, Man from Uncle? Yeah, The Man, man from, from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Yeah, yeah. That's, when I was saying GQ, I was thinking the man, uh, the man or... A man from Uncle. Yeah. The men and woman from Uncle. I don't understand Henry that. Henry Cavill, Superman. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. So this is different than that. It does have like a gruffier approach. I think, though, if I was going to pick out a favorite performance, it would have to be Ray Stevenson playing Frank Sr., the dad character. And that's some of the, some of the only stuff that works is between those two. I, I completely agree with you. The father-son stuff. it's still terribly confusing. Yes. Don't, I mean... In its context of the movie, it's what rises to the surface as being like the highlight relationship. But overall in the movie, it's still really difficult to understand their dynamics. I mean, it starts off where they they don't really hand you a lot of information and they overhand you other information in this movie. So you're kind of like left to make some assumptions about their relationship and, and their past um, they do have a little bit of rapport, but I I have to say that when Ray is on the screen with whoever he's acting with, whether it's his son or it's one of the femme fatale characters or whoever, or even some of the Russian bad guys, you know, he is doing a really great job of kind of commanding the room. And I was completely drawn to him every single time. And mm-hmm. I, I would rather him be the transporter. That's interesting. I feel like he kind of was in some ways. He was like half of the equation. In many ways, he plays some kind of a huge role, which I'm sure it was kind of a setup for another film to kind of like 
bring us into this next film and maybe answer some of those questions in another movie because they are going to likely do another one, I guess. But but with his character, as with every character, we are left so in the dark. Like they don't give us the information we need to really appreciate these people or the story that we're being shown. Yeah. And that's as we move into the bad stuff. Uh, that's what I want to I want to say right off the bat is it has a balance of information problem, as I like to call it, which means there's this wonderful balance a movie will get where it tells you just enough to keep you interested, but also not so much that you are bored, you know, and, and know everything already. And this movie fell on the no information part. So I'm not interested. I'm not I'm not staying with it. I'm not engaged because I don't know enough of what's going on. And there's so many possibilities and so many things that, you know, I just get get bored by all the distractions. Well, here's a question for you then, because in the very first Transporter film, the one with Jason Statham, the original one, all they told you is he's a transporter. They didn't right. give you any other information. Is it kind of like that, or is it way more in the dark than that? Well, the problem is, the difference is, with the original Transporter, and it has been a while, admittedly, but I remember watching that movie and at least um, having enough information to know enough about what was going on that I knew what they were trying to do. Okay. You know, like I knew what the goal was. In this movie, you don't know everybody's motive. You don't know, or anybody's motive. You don't know anybody's goal nope. until the very, very end. And even then it's like, okay, but I'm still not believing you. Right. Because there's still something else that could happen. So when you don't know the purpose, there's nothing to get invested in. Like, like I think of um, Ocean's Eleven is a great movie where you don't know how they're going to do their plan. They purposely just let you watch them in action. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know their purpose, and you know enough of the key points to stay invested. Oh, is that going to go right? You know, is that is that um, contortionist guy going to be able to squeeze into that box? Or, like, you know enough of the key points right that you can kind of follow along. This didn't have any key points to follow along with, so you didn't have anything to root for. Um, so when it's not, like, full-on action, it's boring. Because you don't yeah. have anything to engage you. Yeah. And even the action is laughable. I mean, I absolutely laughed out loud, gut belly laugh <laughs> during the hugest scene of like like gun shootout scene. It was so ridiculous at this- that point. It had built, it had, it's like there was no crescendo, but then there was this crescendo of ridiculousness because it just kept not making sense and it kept not working and it, like all these different things. Until it finally crescendos into this one scene. And as it's happening, I laugh so loud that afterwards we talked to somebody that was in the theater. Let's just be honest. It was the only other person in the theater. <laughs> Picture this. IMAX theater. Three people in the theater. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. <laughs> so it was just Aaron, myself, and then one other guy. It who, was like the world's biggest living room. Who claimed to be a transporter fan. You know, he was like, I like I like the transporter movies. And so afterwards, he's like, yeah, I heard you laughing because I mean, it, I I seriously laughed so well, hard. I if if no other reason to listen to our spoiler special this week on transporter is to hear what happens in that last scene, because <laughs> there are so many. Mo- I have a I have two full sentences written down just in like, you know, key words of different things I want to bring up that happened during that scene that are absolutely silly and ridiculous. You know, I mean, cinema sins is going to have a field. Day oh yes. With this movie. Yeah. I would say just another thing that like to kind of just talk about the whole thing. It's like, everything was really contrived. Like everything was at its most superficial delivery that it could possibly be. It was a superficial, 
you know, this. It was a superficial that. Okay, now we're going to have this scene. Let's not think about it. It's let's just, you know, do it. And it was just, I don't know. It's it, it's it kind of bothers me in in a lot of ways. You know, you you've got this franchise that is doing really well, and so they they think, okay, well, we'll just you know reboot the franchise. We're going to keep keep it going, and mm-hmm. so this is what this has to do. But they didn't make a good movie. Every, they just hit they just hit the check marks like right. Uh, you know, half naked lady check. Uh, squealing tires check. You know, like, um, but but it doesn't ever really have like any interesting like payoff. It's just all superficial stuff. Like, you know, and again, please the spoilers because there's a couple things I really want to say <laughs> right now, but I can't. Um, there's like certain scenes where you're just like, oh, this is that kind of a movie. You know, oh, these are the we're all relieving stress by doing this together. Like, it's yeah. just very frustrating because it's just, it was so, like, I'm dumb. I'm a dumber person for watching this movie. I have lost brain You don't cells. have to be. You don't have to be. I disagree with that sentiment, am, by the way. I am angry after watching this That's movie. fine. You can be angry, but I disagree with the sentiment that watching something can make you dumber. You can maintain your intelligence while watching something dumb and come out of it even smarter because you're able to view it. The only way that I can be smarter is to stop doing this podcast <laughs> and avoid this kind of interaction with media because I know like, <laughs> you're honing your critical thinking. No, there's there, you don't become dumber by interacting with dumb. You maintain your intelligence while you're in the presence of dumb. You know, sometimes you choose to go and have conversations with people uh-huh. and you just know it's not going to go. any. this it's like there's nothing to take from this movie. Right. So it was a waste of time. Now you're sharpening something inside of you. What am I sharpening, Aaron? Your critical thinking skills. Here's here's what's just happened. Uh-huh. You have now entered my line of fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> my anger for this movie is now directed at you. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> I just felt myself get so mad at you. And I'm like, oh, oh, flame on. Like, all right, buddy, let's fight this let's one do out. It. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Uh, I did have a couple other things I wanted to bring up that aren't spoilers that are negatives as well. This movie also suffers from what I call the girl power problem, which is it's a movie that wants to emphasize that women can be just as strong as men. And the movie is very much about these women trying to get revenge and take back. And even on the villain side, there's a woman who is, you know, shown as strong and and in control. But the movie is painting everything else that the transporter is our hero. So its structure is saying that the man is the hero but its heart is saying that the women are the hero. And there's like this conflict that it like that goes back and forth. Do you know what I mean? It even plays with love. It mucks up love. That was my other thing it I wanted to mention. It mucks up yeah. relationships. The, the, the idea of romance in this everything. movie is just like, silliness. Just don't go see this movie, guys. Like, just yeah. do not go. You know what? The only reason to go see this movie is if you want to have an understanding of what I have experienced and you just care and you, like, want to help me, like, process. Because obviously Aaron thinks <laughs> I should, like, try to glean something from this experience. I will say, though. The experience though, itself is the gleaning. The only thing that I really would say that I was glad that I was at the theater to watch this movie was that afterwards we did talk with Dennis, which was the only other guy (laughs) in the room where we now are on first person names. Hey, Dennis. And he actually really liked the movie in some ways and had some really interesting things to say about it. You know, there was a couple poignant moments like where he pulled out, you know, a message that they were trying to relay Mm -hmm. or a theme that they were trying to relay. It was really contemplating that. Like for me, there's so much else going on that's offensive and like I just don't enjoy that stuff gets really buried for me, right. you know, and I but I got to meet Dennis 
but that is enough, you know, like, so I was there just because of the movie. You're yeah. not good so. enough, Dennis. You're not good <laughs> enough. <laughs> Sorry, Dennis. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, do you have any questions? I have three questions. All right, actually. here we go. The second question may sound ridiculous, but it is very important. The first question is, is because Ed Screen is obviously way younger than Jason Statham, is this a prequel to the Jason Statham franchise? Um, I just think it's a uh, whatever you call concurrent quill. Like, I think he's just another transporter dude. Because so, he has the same name as Jason Statham. That's why I'm asking. Oh, does he? Yes, I believe he does. Oh, well, then it's not. Then I guess it's supposed to be the same character. Really? Um, I guess. So I have no idea. I, I, I'm i 90% sure I'll have to look it up in a second. But uh, hmm. yeah, It seemed like it was modern. It didn't seem like they were trying to make it seem like it happened 20 years ago or something. This may not be a deterrent for people to go see this film. But if one of your questions is, is there... Uh, like 30 to 45 seconds of solid girls in thongs dancing? The answer is yes. Uh, oh, yeah. you can check that one off. All right, well, there goes question two. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this, like I said, this may sound silly, but it's a very serious question, especially for transporter fans. Was his car beautiful? Well, they certainly, no. they certainly tried to make it look beautiful. No. The entire and, beginning of the movie no. is a car commercial. Okay. Here's the frustrating part for me because I I don't remember like having gone to see Transporter. I remember like maybe scenes. I don't I don't think that I went in to enjoy. It. But the very beginning, you know, there's this entry moment where he's kind of walking up to his vehicle and he's interacting with people, you know, that are like ogling over his car or whatever. And it appears as though we're gonna have this like super intelligent car. And that was intriguing to me because it was so, you know like mm-hmm. what is this thing gonna do? You know. Are the doors going to open automatically and close? You know, like, what's this vehicle going to do? And it did some of that at the beginning. But the very the, the, he's these guys are trying to let you know, like they're trying to razz him or whatever. And he's like, "Well, you can't really take my car because you know it has a fingerprint pattern." Da 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 da. For that was one of the very first scenes from the original transporter, which there is none. He never even uses it. They they have this technology that they use kind of throughout the film, which we are seeing a lot now in films with CGI and. You know, these different interfaces that really don't even work in this movie. Um, like, look, drag and drop banking is a thing, apparently. <laughs> but anyway. Um, if I want to steal $120 million from you, if, it's just as easy as just, just, just sliding my sliding finger, across, finger the, over. Yeah. across the screen. Um, but you would think that after he just drew, like, attention to this really cool feature, that it would show his, like, hand, you know, being scanned or something. Mm-hmm. And nothing like that happens. Well... The, and that bothered me. Transporter is different from the fact that his car isn't supposed to be a Bond car. It's not supposed to be a car with all these gadgets that does everything. It's just supposed to be a car he's modified, like to have better suspension, better tires, and that's it. It's nope. all about his skill and what he can do with the car. It's not what the car can do for him. So for the Transporter fan, specifically about the vehicle, I would... I would wonder then if there would be even that next level of disappointment. And this is kind of what Aaron was alluding to. Like, who is the hero of this movie? Like, who is the exciting person to watch in this movie? And it's very confusing to try to figure that out, especially for someone like myself who doesn't like I did not feel like the transporter was the main guy. I think there was a couple scenes where they were trying to kind of build it up. But then another scene would happen and it would kind of go back over. Okay, now this character is the main person. Um, But specifically about the cars, you know, you see the the speedometer going up. Uh, you see the wheels turning. 
you I mean, have a couple, couple cool car, you know, yeah, like there's trick some car porn things. in it. I mean, it's it's definitely a car lover will have those moments where they're appreciating, you know, something about what they're showing. I, I don't know. Well, it tried. Here's, here's, I'm not a car lover, so I don't know. I, like that stuff doesn't get a to car, me. A car, a car. If if a movie is supposed to be about falling in love with a car, they mm-hmm. they should do a better job of really like showing more cool features about. It. I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm bored with you know watching the clutches move. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not for me. I do like vehicles. They did have a couple things. He did like push a button, and you know some some things shifted around. You know, so it did allude that the car was really great. Um, but yeah. Yeah, this guy has to make a lot of money doing what he does, though, because <laughs> he certainly needs to have cars. That's right. <laughs> what was question number three? I'm just confirming right now. Yes, Frank Martin is Jason Statham's name as well. Okay, so there you go. The last question. Maybe it's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said um, Ray Stevenson's character was also Frank Martin. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's this the Frank Martin of the future. Yeah, like down the line, this is his son. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe Frank or Ray Stevenson is supposed to be Jason Statham's character. Or yeah. Or little Frank Jr. is actually this is in the past, and and, and then like the old transporters. Who knows? You're giving. We're giving this movie way too much credit. <laughs> okay, they didn't think that far ahead. No. Okay, so final question: because there was that awful, awful TV series of Transporter back in 2012, was this? film bad to the point that this is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back and killed the entire franchise possibly no no no. Um, no, you can't kill stuff that makes money and internationally this movie is going to make money i hope so right now it has an eight out of ten no it has a 4.2 out of ten yeah, I was going to say, it's, it does not have an 8 out of 10. I can tell you that right now. I but, was looking at but Cicero, I'm telling Cicero, you, Luc Besson movies Cicario. do well overseas. Like, you know, the overseas market, and it's a very international movie, too. It is. So, it is an international movie, including we have some, what are they called? I can't think of the word. <laughs> subtitles. Subtitles. A really wonderful subtitles, which we will get to later. And that's part of my rant in oh the spoiler section. I cannot wait. Oh, man. All right, let's move on from this, this, Absolutely. this atrocity. You want to talk film. a little about Patreon before we get into Minority Report? Pay us if you want us to keep going. Oh, is that not long enough? No, that's fine. Go I ahead. was just kidding. I'm sorry. You know, it's like it's nope. off of the We're heels. Done. We're done. Off of the heels of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, you talk about Patreon today, Aaron. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch and, and take a mental break. All right. <sighs> so... Pay us if you want us to keep going. Yay! Yay! Applause, applause. Woo! All right. Where'd all these people come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, thank you so much for your support of what we do. For real. We are getting really close to that third day a week. So we're excited to to do that. A dollar a month may not seem like a lot, but it helps us out immensely. If you want to support, just go to patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. And then just sign up there and $1 of your money every month will come to help us do what we do. We also want to invite you to listen to the show live on Mixler. Uh, There's links at our website. You can join us there today in the chat. Monstrix and Spartanite are in a heart war. They are trying (laughs) to break the record for how many hearts have been given during one of our episodes. And it looks like they will do it. (laughs) I see Monstrix. I see Humberto and Brenton and Bonnie. 
and uh, Caleb. So thanks, guys, for for hanging out live. If you are listening live, guys, you can always listen later uh, through the podcast. And if you're listening later, you can always tune in live. We're on noon. Um, right now, every Friday at noon is Sift Pop. And then every Tuesday at noon is the, what would we call that? The podcast launcher? Shoe the dough. The shoe the dough launcher. Yeah, something like that. It's like our bingo. We just kind of... <laughs> We turn the little thing and a little ball pops out. It's like, oh, today we're going to do this segment. We were privileged enough to uh, have an early release of the Minority Report um, pilot episode. So we got a chance to sit down and watch that. And we can answer your questions if you have any in the chat, as well as kind of give you our first thoughts on it. Andrew, I'd like to start with you because we haven't heard enough from you yet today. What did you think about this pilot? Did not like it at all. At all? At all. Okay. Wow. I was actually, did you like the movie? That's why I'm mad is because I love Spielberg's movie so much because um, everything they wanted to do in the film, they got right. They got the intensity. They got the suspense. They got the, uh, is he really going to kill this person? Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Cruise's character. And then I actually, it was the first movie I can remember where I'm like, you know what? Colin Farrell can act. He was really good in that movie. Yeah. He's doing amazing movies now, but there was a time where everybody, he was a laughing stock because he was just not that good. But now he's a great actor. And then whenever I saw the they were making the Minority Report show, I'm like, oh, I hope it's really good because the main uh, precog guy, he's in a lot of shows I like. He was in uh, Generation Kill and um, Fez from that 70s shows as well. Although he was on screen for like two minutes, if that, for the pilot episode. He is beefed up. Yeah, he's he got. I don't know. Dude, what Fez he, grew up. Fez yeah. grew up, but um, everything. Dude got a Nautilus or something. Exactly. <laughs> the gazelle. What was Tony? Uh, Tony, whatever he got. He was the gazelle guy. But uh, this was a laughably bad show. And I totally disagree. Really? Totally disagree. Oh, wow. Uh, I do not think it was laughably bad. In fact, I think I I didn't like it. Like I didn't love it. This is exactly the show Fox wanted to make, and it is going to be a huge hit for them because the things that I think you don't like about it and that people like us are, you know, who kind of have think critically about media are prone not to like are the things that make it like every other procedural that's on, you know, TV. It has a CSI feel to it where there's a crime and they have to figure out who did it and how they did it and who the perpetrator is. Uh, That's going to work really, really well with their audience. Um, And it's simple instead of, you know, immensely complex, which I think will also work well for them. Um, But I thought I thought it was all right. I thought the effects were pretty decent, especially for I know this isn't the final air version that we saw. So they may have some tweaking still to do on a few things. That's very true. But that really wasn't what I was laughing at by the CGI, because obviously there's. What the twenty fourth is when the show comes out, right? I think it's twenty so, first, maybe, but yeah. It's... Okay, so they have plenty of time to work on the pilot, up the graphics a little bit and stuff. But I want to make a bet with you right now, a dinner bet. Uh huh. Dinner this, bet. This show. I'm the witness. This show will not make it past two seasons. Two seasons? Yeah. Ah, uh, that's too long because you never know what's going to happen in you know in season two. I think that this is a show that Fox has already put enough money in. They're already like. There is at least a two-season show, but I don't think that there's going to be the audience upheaval to keep it going past I think, season I think two. I think it's just as good as Gotham is. I think, and I don't like Gotham. And I know. Okay. Same thing. Same. Re- I mean, it, Gotham is another show that hits that sweet spot for an audience, but for people who, I think, look a little deeper, you can see the strings and see the flaws and, and that kind of thing. Um, the... 
the acting is just, you know, mediocre. I did kind of like the guy, the main guy that we know so far that plays one of the precogs. Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about, and Danae, you can give your kind of first thoughts and also maybe tell us a little bit about kind of the setup of the show, because that might be good to let people know. Well, I like that the um, that we start off with sort of a recap of what happened in the movie Minority Report. So if you haven't seen it for a long time, you know, you kind of are reintroduced to the world. And essentially what's happened is when the program is shut down and these precogs are released back out into the world to go live their lives peacefully, um, one of them in particular who has um, visions of people being murdered, which, by the way, were graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of a little bit shocked and it was like a little almost like, OK, do we have to see that over and over again? But I think they were trying to drive home the intensity that this character has. And his name is Dash. He's one of the twins. So there's the one girl, Agatha, and then there's two twin brothers, Andrew or no, Arthur, Arthur, Arthur and Dash. Yeah. And um. So anyhow, it's kind of like it's from his perspective. The the pilot is from his perspective pretty much as he is kind of getting to the point where he feels like he has to do something about having these visions. And so he's trying to prevent them somehow, but he always shows up late. Um, so he tries to capture his visions and things, you know, on paper to try. He's just trying to do whatever he can. And he's in this like real major conflict. And he is he makes a decision on um involving uh, the police to help him to get to the point where he can actually prevent crimes from happening. So you kind of get to see basically the unfolding of one of those episodes. And and you're right. It was very much like CGI. And I was a little bit disappointed in it because it did have that Gotham feel. It kind of also had that sort of um, my first, my first reaction was yay sci-fi because Uh you know, you're seeing the science fiction world and there aren't a lot of, shows right now that are going to be like on Fox, for example, that have that sci-fi feel to them. And I love science fiction. So, you know, we're in Washington, D.C., but there's these interesting buildings in the background. And but it does feel kind of like in the way the commuter trains work is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, there's all those little sci-fi touches that yes. is like here's a future world, you know. But, you know, I kind of found myself getting a little annoyed off the bat with all of this hand gestures, which I kind of <laughs> felt what they did is they took the things that were really, really unique about Minority Report when that came out however many years ago and they sort of amplified it a little bit too much kind of like okay we're doing all these hand gestures because we have the ability to you know enter into our world it was hit, it, it was it hit felt, and miss for me it felt a little stiff a few times kind of like you know uh, instead of it being a natural part of your world where you're just relaxed and doing it it was more very showy but i really i don't know i i liked the overlay of technology and i liked seeing you know, like, for example, one of the characters was wearing like these um, contact lenses that allowed her to um, see her u- environment differently and kind of even do some um, thermo technology at one point in time. So there's like really clever stuff like that. And I feel like this show could go places if it continues to use those elements cleverly. You that's the exact word I was going to use. It is clever. The way it uses technology is clever, even though it doesn't feel real part of no, the time. It like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it works necessarily. But you look at it and you go, "Oh, that's clever." I'll give you one example. Uh, not too big of a spoiler. It's just a minor thing. But there are kids in a museum and they want to take a selfie, and the girl's bracelet comes off and becomes a drone and takes a drone selfie of them. I thought that was really clever. Hated mm-hmm. it. That that makes a lot of sense, you know. So what did you hate? What like would you say hated it? What sticks out to you about something like that? Okay, um, not that exact part. I'm going to go back to the precogs. And this is my main 
uh, finicky thing that I didn't like about the show. But you did hate the drone selfie. I didn't, yeah, because there was that part in the film, and I'm I'm always going to compare this to the film because it's a source material. Sure. Um, Because people didn't interact that way in the film. They didn't have the 2015... Mentality. Mentality. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. But the main reason is because the way they portrayed the precogs. For example, Arthur, he was all of a sudden after 20 some odd years of being stuck in a room in a pool. Now he's this billionaire, suave, eccentric charmer. Like Mm -hmm. you don't pick up that personality stuck in a room. You're going to be a little off. And And how much time had passed? Like five or six okay, years. Okay, because I was confused by that. There was actually yeah. a comment at the very beginning uh, between the police officers who are investigating a crime scene, and they're talking about how it's been so long since the precogs, and the one lady says, well, that was way before our time. Yeah. But, but we get that feeling like not that much time has actually passed. So I, I was a little confused. I'm feeling the, maybe it was timeline. 15 years. It takes place in 2036. And the, the, show the show does or the movie the show does? does? Yeah, I don't... I thought of mm. there was a big banner. It said twenty thirty six vote for Yeah. I, I don't want to go too deep because that might be spoiler territory. Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'll have to look at it, but that that could be. But it seems to me it stuck in my brain that it was fifteen years later or something like that. But All that well, if it's said, fifteen years later then minority reports happening right now. So. <laughs> yeah. That maybe it is. Whoa. That's weird. I so thought at the beginning when they were showing them as kids it said twenty forty. That's strange. I, and I have to we'll look ha- up the timeline. Yeah, we we'll have to. Go we'll have back. to look up the timeline. But, but obviously they didn't do a really good job of certain parts of it. Point. So there that's are certain point. questions that kind of are still lingering. And we literally just watched this before we started our podcast, so we're kind of a little bit confused about some things. But I feel like the environment will be fun to play in. I would like to see the actors and actresses get a little bit more used to each other. You can kind of tell they're still. They don't haven't built up a rapport Zero just chemistry yet. between anybody. Yeah, right. And, the, and that might be hard to do in a pilot. My favorite pilot I ever watched was House. Mm, the best. pilot that I watched for House was my favorite. And there's a couple reasons for that. Top 10 shows of all time. My favorite pilot ever is Mr. Robot, by the way. But go ahead. So in, in the House pilot, you know, the lighting is just terrible. Everybody's basically bathed in orange. <laughs> and they all have this weird tint. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's like part of it hadn't been amplified yet because it was just getting its feet underneath it just to see, you know, what would happen. And some of the characters' interactions were, like, a little bit rusty, but they did a pretty good job of of everyone kind of working together. This one feels young. The the Some of the colors are very young. Um, it, it, it's, you know, really bright, and it's very futuristic, and, you know, sitting down in a subway, and an ad pops up. And, you know, so it's like there's, like, all this kind of, like, bombardment of color and excitement and and people everywhere and happiness and new outfits and things like that so there's just this real like interesting new and young energy and the main actors and actresses are all young there there wasn't really like a patriarch or a matriarchal type personality Mm -hmm. for us to sink into it was all very young people so i'm kind of i think this is going to be gearing more towards the younger generation and those you know some some people who might not be thinking about the source material as much. Let me let me but, ask let me ask you this question, both of you. Do you feel like we have stopped giving a little bit of TV grace to shows, meaning that we have seen so many shows now, we've seen many many shows right. look cinematic and feel like a movie on television, 
that when a show feels like a TV show, that we don't we don't give it the grace to be a TV show. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because whenever you raise well, the Well, I wasn't stick, saying it was. I just I'm just wondering if that's, you know, part of the I'll change. Agree. We have done that. Yeah. And for reasons because we've raised the standards of what a television show can do sure. and what it should do. So whenever you see a uh, show like this, I personally think that's like, hey, this would have been an amazing show five years ago. Well, we've moved past that. We're doing bigger, better things right now. Whenever you have shows like Mr. Robot, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, stuff like that, that push what a television show can and should do, then everybody else should follow suit. You shouldn't settle on what you think a television show could have done, you know, two years ago and still blown people's mind. I'm going to disagree. I think I'm going to disagree because there's different versions of getting out your your creativity yeah and not everybody has either the vision or the budget or the backing to do it now it's interesting because fox obviously has a budget you know but this to me i'm gonna use the word firefly but not because of its success firefly is an interesting one where it's like it's a different kind of an environment it's very futuristic and science fiction like Mm -hmm. and i don't know that it's going to hit hard with all audiences but I, I do think that we're harder, just to go back to the question, I do think we're harder on television shows because when you do have those breakout shows that are so fantastic, you're like, okay, it can be done like this. Why isn't it being done all all across the board? Why why isn't every show, you know, doing that? Um, Minority Report for me was sort of like a darker movie. It was like, you know, mystery and a thriller and it had the suspense to it. You know, that. That injected I didn't feel into that at it. All. That yeah, I in, didn't quite feel that. I did. I, I cool. thought it was like super intense, and it was like the darker. It was a darker film. There's all this kind of like this guy's being chased. He's being hmm. hunted. There's all this technology. There's you know he's taking things out of his eyes. Like it, it's just you know a very intense movie. Um, this feels like a lighter version of that in some ways, but then you have you know this the. Uh, crime solving kind of element to it to bring it back into that darker stuff but it feels like society has moved on and, and we're like in a happy place now but it did feel almost too a little like again a little low budget at the same time right it felt uh, gotham city like yeah I, to yeah. me it is cs you know csi precog you know this is is what it's kind of going for and i what i was going to say and what i resonated with what you said to name and where i would um agree with is there are different purposes for making a television show um, you know, a movie is a pretty standardized thing. Aside from genre, you kind of get it. It's, you know, 90, to, 90 minutes to two hours long. It has a, you know, a three-act structure. Like, you kind of get what a movie is. TV has a lot more flexibility. Think of all the, the, the different ways people use TV. Reality shows, um, sitcoms. You know, there's, there's different ways to tell stories. And I think there's a distinction between cinematic dramas like Mr. Robot or Breaking Bad and, you know, weekly... Um, you know, story in a can kind of dramas like CSI. But at the same time, uh, those don't have a source material like Minority Report well, that's, does. That's true. That's true. So. Yeah. Before we go any further, Firefly, my favorite pilot. I love Firefly. <laughs> yeah. But Although they didn't, didn't, it, they didn't show the pilot as the first episode of that show. Uh, that that's was, very true. That is one of the many mistakes they made with that show. Like letting it go. Thanks again, Fox. <laughs> I wanted to just before we move on because we're gonna uh, we kind of probably need to get on. To yeah, the head next into our buried treasure. Yeah, but I keep thinking of this, so I'm gonna go ahead and mention it. There's also on the same vein. Um, there was a show that came out called Dracula, and it was this really super dark graphic, mm-hmm. you know, TV series. 
and it and nobody watched it and it, and it didn't get called back for another season yeah but it was beautiful like the costuming was just gorgeous and the actors were really great and there was this really interesting backstory and it was again it was graphic but the way that um like it was a believability to it because you've got these vampires and so of course it wasn't like this tween vampire show that's the other kind of stuff that that kind of bugs me from time to time it's like you never really know what's going to hit an audience and some people can make really beautiful art and it can it can go somewhere it can take wings and sometimes it takes wings later like firefly picked up speed and gained a huge audience afterwards rather than during Otherwise, we would still have it. So it's kind of hard to tell, like you said earlier, you know, whether a minority report's going to just like fly. It feels but like it might I work was, with a general audience. If I was to bet on it, I would say we're going to definitely get into two seasons. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to go beyond two seasons. It just it depends on how the cast gels and yes, what they kind of jump into. And again, we saw the pilot and we saw an early screening of the pilot. That's right. So that's right. And, and but I think it's safe to say, Danae, uh, that we liked it more than Andrew did. I think so. But they definitely gave, and I don't know if this is the the one that we watched or not, but they give you a lot of what to expect the whole time. Like where they're going to be drawing their bad guys from, you know, um, who they're kind of focusing yeah, on. There's a little for se- there's so setup, there's like a yeah. setup there to sort of the world we live in. Like when we go into Gotham, we know kind of the world we live in. Now we need to learn more about the world we're living in in Minority Report. And if they can really flesh that out in a intelligent way that's engaging, I think that this will last for at least two seasons. Well, Brenton in the comments says we should ask the precogs and then we'll know for yeah. sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, we should. Uh, he thinks it's going to get canceled uh, mid first season like Almost Human. Um, wow. And, and he's got a good point. That is a show that came from a good pedigree. It was sci-fi and audiences didn't connect to it deeply and they let it go mid-season. So that is absolutely a possibility. I kind of liked Almost Human. I, I kind of did too. Kind so of. maybe I You know, did... you're right though, because if the audience doesn't find something that they really want to know more about, because there was no like love conflict, like what do you think? They're depending on the cleverness of the technology right the, now. Yeah. If that's to bring their, people if back. that's their gimmick, this mm-hmm. isn't going to last because we've seen all of this now. Minority Report is one of yeah. many, many, many movies that introduced us to really clever technology. There's been if they rely on that, it's not going to work. If they rely on uh, CSI type stuff, it it's not like what have we not seen already? <laughs> right. You know, we've seen Except it. It's all. in the future, so who knows? So I, I, they're they're going to have to do something with the personalities and the character development there and and i am a little bit worried about that after seeing the pilot some other great comments uh people are talking about their favorite pilots of all time dexter was mentioned um mm, one of my favorite shows uh although it had an awful finale one of the worst finales i've ever seen i only yeah. ever saw one episode of um, dexter lost that's a, that's a shame i loved lost um pilot i thought that was great mm-hmm. lost pilot was great and uh, that so, was a good one so a lot of people are mentioning some good stuff there all right. Let's move on to our buried treasure. This is where we kind of bring you that one more thing that you might want to take with you in pop culture as you go on about your life. Um, I will start today, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, go for it. So I use Google Keep as my note taker. And I was talking with a friend and they were they have a Gmail mm-hmm. and didn't realize how many things are linked to their Gmail account, which is 
hugely surprising for me, but hey, not everybody knows. Right. So if you are like, for example, um, spoiler looking at alert, your... spoiler alert, Google owns your life. <laughs> <laughs> a plot twist. <laughs> we are all robots. And We're if clones. Go- if Google doesn't, doesn't need us. <laughs> yes. That's right. So if you're at like your Gmail, for example, um, it's really easy to look at. Uh, you can click on like the little three square square thingy Mm -hmm. and there's a menu that pops up and there's all kinds of other google things google drive uh google photos fan of both of those there's your youtube and there's also something called google keep and i love this note taker i've got the app on my phone and it just syncs you can change the background you can take different kinds of notes um so anyhow i just wanted to mention that one because not a lot of people know that it exists and that it links up with all of your life if you're a google person i am a google fan like i love using their products i've never used google keep in fact i've heard you mention it but never really even explored it what would be the primary reason somebody would want to use google keep um well it's really easy to use it's visually gorgeous. You can, like, each note is basically like its own little... So it's simply a note-taking... It's a note-taking app. app. So you can, you know, move them around. If you want to click and drag one to the top because it's more important, you can. They can you have, do it without touching the screen like they, they do in Minority checklist. Report? Because that would be amazing. Yeah, just use your tongue. Oh, that's technically <laughs> touching. Technically touching. What touch. if that was the future in Minority Report? They're not using, using, waving their hands in the they're air. Just their They're tongue. just using their tongue. Oh, la, la. Oh, la, la. <laughs> Would have been funny. That would be amazing. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to let you finish uh, us because I'm going to go second. Good, my, I was just about to ask you to. <laughs> my Buried Treasure is a movie that's been out for a little while that you may not have gotten a chance to see, but is well worth it. I don't think it's getting enough press how good it is. Uh, it's called The Gift, and it's Jason Bateman, and it's a thriller that they promoted the like thriller. a... No, not that kind of... It's not as... No, no Michael Jackson involved. Um, Oh, no. The dance is happening. The dance is happening in the studio. Uh, No, this is a movie they promoted as a horror film in many ways, but it is such a great suspense thriller. And there are not enough, in my opinion, true suspense thrillers that come out anymore. It's either the, you know, gore, the gore torture stuff or, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, romantic comedy. You know, it just doesn't have that that real kind of suspense kind of movie uh, that comes out and the gift is one. It felt like a, an old Hitchcock movie or something. I'm reading the overview uh-huh. when married couple unexpectedly encounter this person, an acquaintance from his past. Little do they know that their perfect lives will be thrown into a terrifying tale. Yeah. It remi- it just reminds me of a lot of those kind of classic thriller type movies, you know, and uh, I've really wanted to see this movie. So to hear you say that, I'm really excited. I'm just, I'm just throwing out a recommendation for it. Okay, um, so you know I don't like going to see scary mm-hmm. films. Would you recommend this one for me? I think so. Really? I think so. Oh. It's it's just, it's that engaging <laughs> and compelling. Is it because you think we've all met that person whenever we were yes. in school? Everybody yes. knows that person. In yeah. school. It's very relatable, you know, to, okay. to, to feel, to have somebody come back into your life or even just somebody come into your life. Yeah. And it's like, what are your motives? Who are you? And the movie plays so well with suspicion and, you know, in all the things that you need in a thriller, like who did it? What, you know, who did what? What's happening? You know, does it like jump out and scare you at times? Maybe once or twice. I, I don't think there are, I, I think there's one jump scare in the entire movie and it's okay. and it's pushing it to call it a jump scare. OK, right, here's, so here's a question for you, because 
I want to know, and this may be spoiler, so if you don't want to answer this, then don't. Does the film give you the viewpoint of only Jason Bateman and his wife's character, or do you get to see Joel Edgerton's character and see where he's coming from? Um, do you mean as far as like the storytelling, or yeah. as, f- as far as... I think the story is told primarily from the Bateman family's perspective. Okay. Um, it's, but Rebecca I don't know. Rebecca Hall is her name. Yes. And I don't know, um, but I, but it doesn't commit itself in that way. Like but he's holding a present in the, mm-hmm. in, and so is it a cake? Cause it looks like, it looks like it could be a cake. There in may it. be a cake involved. Yay. I'll give you, I'll give you that. All they want to know is, is there a helicopter? In the- <laughs> Shush. You guys. I can't tell you that. That's a spoiler. <laughs> what if it opens up the present and a helicopter pops out? Helicopter chase. Spoiler OMG. alert. Spoiler alert. All right, Andrew. Whenever we do spoiler alerts, I should make the helicopter noise. Do it. <laughs> That's incredible. We're uh, now live above the city, and uh, we're coming to you coming to you from Chopper 7. Traffic report. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the next show on Fox after Minority Report. Traffic, Traffic report. report. <laughs> Probably more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, what's your buried treasure? I let the audience decide between something new and something old, and everybody said they want to know something new. All right. This buried treasure is not all that buried. It's all over the land right now, and it's Netflix's new series, Narcos. Okay, Narcos. I haven't had a chance to watch this yet. Ooh, Have you watched it's it? It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Why? Oh, do you know the story? I have of, no idea. It's the telling of Colombian cocaine drug dealer Pablo Escobar, the richest drug dealer in history. I think he, over his life, he accrued a wealth of $30 billion, one of the richest men of all time, and he was a drug dealer. And um, the story is told from his point of view and the point of view of the DEA agent who's trying to bring him down. So it's a true story? Is it Very like true a, story. Is it, it is. a docu... Is it like a... Um, Docu-style? Yeah. Docu-series? Is it documentary or is it no, it's based on a true story style? Based on a true story. Okay. But whenever they uh, like do f- uh, like news footage, all that stuff is... They show like Pablo Escobar's real mugshot whenever they like do mugshots and stuff like that. They don't do the characters and stuff like And like real news footage of what's going on and just character chemistry suspense fear everything perfect how is it uh violence and yeah like, content wise. wise yeah yeah very violent really very violent is it like gory gory stuff is it like sopranos violent um it's not like game of thrones gory okay but there's blood there's a lot of blood. There's a lot there of shooting. There will be blood. There will be blood. One of my favorite movies of all time. But um, <laughs> if you are looking for an edge of your seat, don't know what's going to happen next show, this is it. It's actually rated higher. And like I said, take this with a grain of salt, depending on how you feel about IMDb. Rated higher than Mr. Robot as far as TV shows of all time. It's number 29. Wow. Yeah. That's so to be that high that fast. I know. Is is crazy. And I don't know how you guys feel. This is a question for you. How do you feel about Netflix's way of giving us content? Everything up front, view at your leisure, not waiting a week. Like I uh, love it. I do too. I think it's brilliant. Here's, now here's what I'll tell you. I'll, I'll t- I actually have two different opinions on this. Um I love it 
because they've said, this is just what we're doing. We don't even, you know, this is just who we are. This You're going to have to deal with it. We're going to release full seasons at a time. And I love the confidence in that. And there is a place for, you know, being able to watch an entire series. It's basically, they're basically, re, you know, releasing 10-hour movies yeah. is, is what they're doing in some ways. I don't like it as a viewer in some ways. you have to ways. wait an entire year? <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, the opposite. I like waiting a week and having time to digest and discuss. So in, in many ways, Lost becomes an entirely different show. If it's released a season at a time. See, I binge watched Lost for the f- the first time I ever mm-hmm. saw it was on Netflix. And I, so. I will sell by I will say you missed a huge part of the Lost experience. I probably did when you did that because it, and that's not I mean that's not you know anybody's fault. That's kind of the way we're we're moving. There is something about you know having those discussions like Mr. Robot's a good example too. Having the discussions each week you know between and and getting there. But I, I still love that they're doing it because it's showing you can have different models of releasing content. But serialized uh, released content will always be a thing. Um, that Really? When you look at what movies are doing now, they're doing serialized released content. They're yeah. doing each movie is another season of a show in many ways, you know? So it's it's really an interesting pop culture world that we're, we're kind of moving into. And I think Netflix is just kind of trying to live in the future. And we're on the cusp of it because we're also part of that same type of a... Of- of a culture movement right. or media, you know, even podcasting, everything we we're literally trying to podcast every single day and we can do like these little miniature things and just keep updated together as a community on what we're, what we're doing together. It's a really fascinating thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are almost to 1000 hearts in our chat. Thank you to Monstrix. Less than 50. <laughs> <laughs> Monstrix, you did it. <laughs> He had some help for sure. Uh, now Bonnie is in on that. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Sif Pop on Shoot the Dope. Andrew from Flick Freaks. You want to tell people how to find you? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon. <gasps> Did you <laughs> yeah. get a Patreon? We've had Patreon for a couple months now. It's going Sweet. pretty good. You can find us on all of those programs at forward slash flick freaks and to all my listeners who came here thank you also keep watching the channel because something big is happening soon on youtube Ooh, mysterious wow. mm-hmm. is it coming in a present is it in a bo- is it cake is it the gift is it a helicopter pretty soon either today or tomorrow i am releasing a trailer for something that's coming on the channel. Interesting. Ooh, that's cool. That's, that's called a tease. Yeah. Nice tease, uh, Bubba. S- speaking of a tease, we've got some exciting stuff coming up as well. Uh, next week, we will be live on Tuesday and Friday at the normal time. However, it will not be a normal show. No. Next Friday, we're actually going to be in Orlando, Florida. We're going to be going what? to a big conference. And so we're actually going to be re- uh, doing the show live from there. So... Uh, if you have not yet downloaded the app Mixler, that's M-I-X-L-R, please get the app. It's totally free and subscribe to Shoe the Dough Live so that when we go live throughout our time at the conference, you'll know because we're not just going to do two shows. We're probably going to pop in several times in and out throughout the conference. I would also recommend you follow both of us on Periscope because we'll probably be Periscoping as well. That's Aaron Dicer, uh, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. On Twitter and Periscope, and Danae is Danae Says. D-E-N-E-E-S-A-Y-S. Also, if you have not yet, Sif Pop is its own podcast. So if you're subscribed to Shoe the Dough and you're listening to this on Shoe the Dough uh, and you'd like to hear the spoiler episodes, 
you're going to find those over on the Sift Pop feed. So just uh, go and subscribe to Sift Pop, all one word. All those details are also yes. at our website. Sift Pop has become the uh, the first podcast launched from the mothership, Shoe the Dough. The mothership. Onto its own. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you can subscribe to it. Um, Right there. In Just crossed a thousand hearts. Yay! We don't know what that does, but it's a very exciting thing. <laughs> what it does apparently is bring spam bots to the chat. That's exciting. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Spam bots! I had to block my first user in this episode. That's exciting. Right? I, I, I think that's a fun thing to have happen. To block don't users. Don't you feel powerful? <laughs> yeah. When I, I've done it a couple times on the YouTube channel. I'm like, I have power over you. I say no, you cannot speak. I smite down your chat. You shall no longer (laughs) exist in our world. Thank you for joining us. Godspeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.